Welcome to the Quartering Podcast for Tuesday, the 17th of January. First up, Stephen Crowder just dropped a bombshell on Conservative Inc. like The Daily Wire and The Blaze. Wow, wow, wee wow. Stephen Crowder drops some absolute bombshells, including receipts on a big conservative. Now, he doesn't actually say who it is, and I don't have any inside information that would imply specifically who it might be. I think people are making their guesses. People are making their estimates. You know, there's only a few possible outlets that he could possibly be talking about. And I think that um, people are going to make their uh, their decisions based on that. I also want to talk about, uh, I have been talking directly with Stephen for several weeks about uh, working with him directly on a, a new project sometime probably a little bit later this year, a couple months from now. Uh, is something that I'm uh, actively developing, um, actively working on, and I think it's going to be pretty awesome. And uh, I'm excited to talk, tell you about it uh, a little bit later. I want to get right into the potential contract, or I mean the receipts that he shared. Talk about why they're important, because it really does show whoever's contract this is, somebody in big conservative, um, I can speculate who it might be, but you know, that they really are in lockstep with Susan Wojcicki, big tech, what topics you can, what topics you can't talk about. And the way that they enforce those very same rules are by penalizing their actual employees if they get out of line with the same set of standards and rules that apply to, you know, that are a direct, transparent pass through of rules from Twitter and YouTube. And it's, it's, it's not shocking at all to me, but what's interesting is the receipts. And I want to say that, you know, regardless of whether or not Steven and I get, you know, work together on something, uh, you know, whether or not that goes through, you know, he still has my sword on this hundred percent. Uh, I've seen, I've talked to creators in this space, uh, conservative creators, who uh, have signed very similar contracts. So, you know, this particular wording does not surprise me whatsoever. Merch rights. The company will maintain exclusive rights to create and sell, this is their contract they offered him clearly, to sell Crowder and Crowder content branded merchandise. All remuneration for the blank and um, exploitation of these rights is included in the fee meaning the company owns all of his merch. Email list, the company will maintain exclusive rights to manage, grow, and monetize all Crowder mailing lists during the term. All remuneration, blah, blah, blah. Meaning they pay him with some, number, some sort of sum of money, but in exchange for that, they own his merch, they own his email list, and also social media management. The company will have exclusive rights to manage, curate, and monetize Crowder's official Facebook, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, Snapchat, Rumble, and other social media accounts, excluding Crowder's existing personal Twitter and Instagram accounts during the term. Additionally, the company will have perpetual and exclusive rights to create, own, manage, and curate and monetize any and all social media accounts on any social media or similar platform. Insane contract. But it gets way worse because this is where it gets really nefarious. In another section of the contract, 
fee reductions. Now these are penalties for existing employees of the company. And these are, you know, presumably uh, some of these conservative talking heads. Again, you know, if you look at what, you know, the, the size of the company that would be required to, to hire Crowder, I think you can probably figure out who this is. I feel pretty confident, but I can't be 100% sure. Daily content. If Crowder fails for any reason to deliver 192 episodes of The Daily Show, including any and all ad reads and promo re reads approved and deemed satisfactory by the company, a $100,000 reduction penalty uh, for clarity. Anytime Crowder misses a single episode of daily content without written approval from the company, the fee will be reduced by $100,000. You miss one day of work, $100,000 penalty. Now, I'm sure this scales down to your normal, you know, content creators. I don't think your average, you know, contributor at the Daily Wire or Blaze or any of these companies, you know, are making this kind of money. But again, if Crowder fails to deliver monthly content in any month or any quarter, including any and all ad reads, the fee is $250,000. Absolutely insane. But here is where the real proof is in the pudding, the real proof that these, you know, these conservative news outlets essentially are in lockstep with big tech. And it's how they penalize their particular employees. And by the way, great time to remind you, coffeebrandcoffee.com is that's why this that's why I talk about it so much. It's my company. It's it goes directly to supporting the channel. Um, we've got about 175 of the peppermint hot cocos left, and they're on they're on sale, big sale, 25% off on that. We've got a dozen organic teas that people absolutely love. We've got all types of coffee. Our coffee is fresh roasted on demand, so it's not sitting. It's as fresh as you're going to get, and we've got delicious teas. Please make today the day that you consider going to coffeebrandcoffee.com Using promo code the quartering, you can save. Don't believe me? Just check out the reviews. You can see all of these customer reviews from clearly people who purchased the item. You don't have to take my word for it. It's not just supporting the channel, it's also getting high quality coffee to your cocoa uh, that also supports the channel. Might I suggest our cold brew, our blueberry cobbler, our dark roast? I mean, really, it's all good. I drink it every day. So, you know, it's, it's all good. Now, boycotts work and will punish them for you. Reduction of fee from lost revenue from boycotts, content strikes, or from major or from bans on major social media platforms. The only reason any individual content creator should be signing with these big companies is if they are weak and they think that they need uh, uh, this protection. Maybe they're not in the financial space to support themselves, to take the risk of individual content creators. I mean, weak in a position financially, you know, they're, they're worried about that, but these companies don't even protect you. If you get a penalty from YouTube or Apple or Facebook, this particular big conservative company, company TM just 
penalizes you and tells the left that boycotts work. If Crowder is boycotted or dropped by more than 50% of his, ex ex his existing advertising partners the company is, and the company is not able to replace him within 90 days, then the fee will be reduced by 25% until such a time the ad revenue has been restored for a period of 90 days. To cut his pay 25%. Content strike. If any of the major platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Apple Podcasts, issues a content strike, such as that Crowder content cannot be monetized on such a platform, the company will not be able to resolve the issue within 90 days, then the fee will be reduced by another 25%. So right now there's a 50% cut in, cut in pay if you get a strike. How do we get strikes? Well, we push against the status quo. There isn't anybody out there in this space that's more careful than I am in terms of the words that I use on this platform. And even that has been nearly impossible to avoid the ire of various content strikes on various platforms. What this company is saying, big conservative, is that we are enforcing YouTube's rules on our content creators, that we are not allowing our content creators to speak against the status quo. And if they do, we will penalize them 50 per, up to 50% of their pay. So what content creator is going to do that? This is no different than, for example, um, if you use the company like Daily Wire, for example, just, infor like just working directly with Susan Wojcicki. By the way, if the Crowder content cannot be released on any of the major platforms, YouTube, Facebook, Apple, whatever, because the Crowder or, or his content is banned from those platforms, the, reduce, the fee will be reduced by 20% on YouTube, another 20 if Apple, 10 if Facebook, 10 if Spotify, another 50%. A YouTube strike could potentially, if I'm doing this math right, cost the guy 70% of his pay. Why on earth would anybody sign with these companies? You're not getting any protection. That's the only reason you would sign with them, right? You sign with them as a big network uh, and you're hoping, hey, it's whatever, you know, The Blaze or it's Daily Wire or it's Turning Point or whatever. Hopefully, you know, I'm not just one individual content creator with 200,000 subscribers and I have, you know, the network of other creators that might be in the many millions and maybe I can reach out to YouTube and nope, they don't care. Not only do they not care, they are personally penalizing you financially if that were ever to happen. Now you could make the argument, understandably so, that, hey, if you catch a strike, um, you know, they, they're, you're not making the company any money, but yet that's the point. That's the only reason you would sign with one of these companies. So not only do they own, and by the way, going back to the beginning of this, they own your likeness, they own your merch, they own your email list, they own your social media channels. They take zero risk. Okay. And they take over everything. And they force you to do innumerable ad reads. And if you don't do those ad reads, you get penalized. And if, if uh, the left gets up in a tizzy that you made some comment and they, and they get to one of your sponsors, they penalize you for that. So why do you think all the content from big conservative seems to sound the same? Seems to all be the same.
It's because they're all following the same rules. They're in bed with big tech. This much is absolutely obvious. And you should be thinking about some of these big companies and wonder, ask yourself, is this the big con he's talking about? He also did a website, stopbigcon.com for people to sign up on. I think this is how he's going to contact uh, people when his new project launches. Obviously, I've signed up for that myself. Um, but also, make sure you check out coffeebrandcoffee.com. And, you know, obviously, Steven Crowder, you have my sword. I will, you know, I will help as much as I can. Uh, you know, I'm happy to work with you to produce some some unique content or to, you know, whatever the, whatever he needs. I'm happy. I feel like I've proven that. Uh, I'm happy to help. And uh, this is going to be interesting to see the follow from. And next up today, fired Twitter staff just got destroyed by Judge Elon Musk wins massive lawsuits against woke staff. I'm here to report yet another L for former Twitter employees. Now, for a very long time, I tried to give them benefit of the doubt, saying things like, well, they can't all be ideological hacks. Well, then we got to see the Twitter files, and we got to see how many of them reacted after Elon Musk purchased Twitter. We got to see many of them literally voluntarily getting fired rather than committing to work hard in their position. I guess it's not surprising when you saw these TikTok videos and all these shorts where these people never worked. They never showed up in the office. And when they did, they were drinking wine and eating at their breakfast bar and going to the gym and going on the rooftop. None of them actually showing them doing any actual work. We saw a video from Meta today floating around Twitter too, where I was like, this is my day. And it looked like they did about one hour of actual work. These days are gone in Silicon Valley long gone in Silicon Valley. We've seen layoffs across Facebook, um, Salesforce, you know, you know uh, Patreon, all these big tech Silicon Valley tech companies are tightening their belt. And um, all these employees that were happy to get fired rather than work hard thought they could cash in by suing Elon Musk. Well, their galaxy brain decision has absolutely backfired. Now, in a recent ruling uh, in court this the other day, Twitter employees hoping to sue the firm for firing them without notice has been told, have been told that they cannot bring a class action lawsuit. One of the dumbest things I saw floating on the internet, and this was perpetuated by left-wing media, was that, oh, Elon Musk uh, didn't give them proper notice under the whatever federal act about, you know, terminations. <clears throat> Except he did. He told them that you are essentially fired but in 60 days, whatever was required to actually give them the appropriate notice. Anybody who thought that they were going to sue him for that must have been a complete moron. Uh, in court, in a court ruling on Friday, the social media company, which was also facing claims of other kinds of discrimination, won its bid to force five ex-workers to pursue their claims individually. U.S. District Court James Donato cited agreements the employees had signed with the company owned by Elon Musk and his reasoning for the judgment. Their own paperwork that they signed defeated them. Twitter was plunged into hot water in early November after it laid off 3,700 employees as a part of a cost-cutting measure. Hundreds more subsequently resigned. In December, the firm was also accused by dozens of former employees of several legal violations stemming from Elon Musk's $44 billion takeover of the company. 
These included targeting women for layoffs and failing to pay promised severance packages, none of which has been proven, of course. Shannon Liss Riordan, Riordan, who represents the plaintiffs, and by the way, got BTFO'd, said Monday that her she had already filed 300 demands for arbitration on behalf of former Twitter employees. She added that she would likely file hundreds more. Twitter is facing at least three complaints with the U.S. Labor Board claiming workers were fired for criticizing the company. By the way, why can't you do that? Attempting to organize a strike and other conduct protected by federal labor law. I don't think trashing your employer on your own employer's platform is protected by federal labor law. I could be wrong. I legitimately, I could be wrong there, but it seems unlikely. Of course, the company did not respond for comment. Last year, San Francisco Judge Donato ruled that Twitter must notify the thousands of workers who were laid off after the acquisition by Musk following a proposed class action accusing the company of failing to give them adequate notice before terminating them. He said that before asking workers to sign severance agreements, waiving their ability to sue the company, Twitter must give them a succinct and plainly worded notice. Last week, it was revealed that Elon Musk had broken the world record for amassing the largest losses in personal fortune in history. Again, this is just another leftist headline. He hasn't lost anything. What they're talking about is the value, the Tesla shares being down, you know, and that's where most of his wealth lies. But he hasn't lost anything because he hasn't cashed out. He still has the same number of shares. So when those shares inevitably go back up, and they will, he's going to be fine. A lot of the comments give zero sympathy. You can see, good luck with that. The dude gave you three months of severance. Go be woke, go be woke somewhere else. This says, guys, get woke, go woke, go broke. The employees saw this coming a mile away. They're, quote, organized enough to launch a class action lawsuit, but not organized to sign a union petition, which would have stopped him in his tracks. Again, they say, how much notice did Zuckerberg give his employees? Then Bezos with Amazon employees. Then Goldman Sachs giving employees one week's notice. All media focusing on Elon instead of the real greedy company. Well, look, I'm sure that Elon is sufficiently greedy. But yeah, I mean, Elon Musk's name gets clicks. It's like, how many times are Fords involved in collisions? You know, probably every five minutes. Look, I own a Ford. I'm not taking a shot at them. Okay. But... They don't write an article about that, but every single Tesla that gets in an accident, it's like front page news. Like, oh my God, our Tesla got in an accident. Nobody ever. And then the, the, the assumption is that, oh, they were using autopilot and blah, blah, blah. And almost never turns out that they were actually using autopilot or they were using it incorrectly. But the media doesn't care. You know, Bezos bought the Washington Post just to write articles, you know, disparaging Elon Musk, at least in my opinion. The Verge, of course, covering it too. You know, the judge has ordered a laid off group of Twitter employees to drop their class action lawsuit against the company, which claims Twitter did not follow through on promised severance package, as reported earlier by Bloomberg and Reuters. According to the ruling, Twitter's contract expressly states that arbitration isn't mandatory and then also provides an option for employees to opt out of the procedure. The judge said employees failed to opt out of arbitration which would have given them a chance to settle things in court. Twitter's contract also contained a class action waiver, the ruling notes. So not once, but twice did they screw themselves. Well, I'm not surprised by this. I mean, this is, you know, 
this is extremely common of entitled brats. And you know, the thing is, this is such a weird wording, right? So they're saying Twitter, Elon Musk initially promised three months of severance pay when he first assumed ownership as a company, but many employees affected by his mass layoffs say they were only received one month worth of pay in addition to two months worth of non-working pay. Isn't that three months? That's literally three months. So what were they, what were they thinking? By the way, this is not normal behavior. Normal behavior, like I've been laid off. Most of everyone watching this video has probably been fired or laid off at least one time in their life. And if you haven't, you will at some point. But you know what happens when you get laid off? You look at if you're lucky enough to get severance, which not everyone does. You're like, ah, crap. I'm going to take the weekend because most people get laid off on Fridays. Take the weekend. Pretend I don't care about it. Maybe take two or three days off. And then you get right back to looking for work because that's what normal people do. Normal people don't sit around and be like, oh, well, I did, but I only got three months severance, but I really wanted three months and one week of severance. Or he didn't call it severance. He called it non-working pay, but I still got a paycheck for three months. What's the difference? You still pay taxes on a severance. This lawyer just seems like, you know, a lawyer doing lawyer things, and that's totally fine. But, you know, this is just a huge L for Twitter employees. And then basically all of them have kind of gone by the wayside. Their 15 minutes of fame has kind of, you know, dissipated. No one really cares. What's going to be interesting, though, is uh, if I remember the article pro uh, uh, you know, properly, in February, there is potentially some hearings with former employees like Yoel Roth and Vijaya Gadi. These are ex-employees that I'm most curious about. The wages, the people that were salaried that you know are whining and entitled, they're not gonna win their lawsuits, by the way. Um, these people almost never win their lawsuits. And look, to, to be fair, if they were mistreated or if they were promised, you know, there were some articles about like the severance going out and people not getting what was promised. They should get what was promised. Even if I hate what they did with their company, or even if I hate how they manipulated the platform and like, it's just good business to make sure that these people get what you promised them. And I'm sure that Elon Musk will do that. Uh, but what I'm more interested in is these potential hearings on Capitol Hill and what that means going forward, because these are the true criminals, Vijaya Gotti, Yoel Roth, and other high ranking officials at Twitter. I want to see what they have to say under the bright lights of Capitol Hill. And next up, space is canceled. Here's an interesting article. Uh, now apparently space, you know, the final frontier, it's actually racist. That's right, a woke Colorado astrophysics professor moans that her field is riddled with white supremacy and um, bias against women, with colleagues using hyper-masculine and aggressive language to describe the cosmos. Now, if you didn't know, can you picture in your head what kind of person will be making this complaint? Can you picture, perhaps, in your head, what kind of person will be making this complaint? It's absolutely ridiculous. 
A Colorado astrophysicist has claimed her field is steeped in white supremacy uh, because of hyper-masculine and aggressive language used to describe stars. Natalie Gosnell, an assistant professor at Colorado College, takes an unconventional approach to physics by comparing stars with humans to turn science into art. So she's not a teacher. She's an activist. In an interview with the college newspaper, she claims she has struggled to overcome the division between art and science that is rooted in systemic racism. Her work aims to cross typical disciplinary boundaries to create art science pieces that re-inscribe outer space as a feminist space, she said on her website. This is half the problem. Remember that that astronaut that got canceled for wearing a shirt with like women, bikini women on it? Remember that person? I'm actually going to pull up his story. Okay, it wasn't an astronaut, but it was a comet scientist who had a, a normal shirt with like regular women and looks like cars on it. Okay, it's just a normal shirt that you could buy at Walmart. Remember this story? Comet scientist Dr. Matt Taylor's shirt was awful. But what should have he worn on TV instead? Like, I mean, are you kidding me? I didn't hit his look. I didn't especially like his shirt, but I also don't think one can expect much more of a heavily inked dude with a well-established penchant for bad t-shirts as a cursory search on Google images uh, proves this one while not in the best of taste was clearly part of that tendency. It's embarrassing. It was a stupid shirt to wear on international TV, but the man is classic baddie scientist cliche. The guy ended up getting publicly shamed. I think he had to issue an apology over a totally tame shirt, by the way. Totally tame. It's not like it said women bad or anything like that. It had beautiful women on it. Both artists and scientists are just observing things about the world, interpreting those observations and then sharing their interpretation, Gosnell told the Colorado College News. As an astrophysicist, I am the product of institutions steeped in systemic racism and white supremacy, she said. What? Imagine you're like taking a class and you're like, sweet, I'm going to learn about comets and, you know, black holes and... um supernovas and then you get this broad who's like well actually comets you know like white dwarfs uh that's racist suggestions that academic fields like science and engineering are male dominated are commonly and generally accepted but gosnell goes further by arguing that the language used to describe scientific phenomenon is also racist by the way, you can go do whatever it is that you want to do. If you go and look at the college statistics right now by gender, women are massively over overrepresented. Go do whatever it is that you want to do. This whole idea that women are getting the raw end of the deal or the short end of the stick, uh, giggity, for uh, these types of education jobs and professional jobs, it's just not backed by the data. It's just not. They're, they're literally lying. 
It's the same people that with a straight face told you that there's a, pay, a gender pay gap, which there isn't. No real economist actually endorses that. <clears throat> it's a democratic talking point, sure, but it's not actually backed by science or, or economics or hard data. It's just a lie that's perpetuated. And people are like, oh yeah, women are paid less. Don't you think that every major corporation, if they, were, if they could hire women for 79 cents on the dollar, that every major employee at every major corporation, corporation would be a woman since they can do the exact same job as a man and, and get paid 79 cents on the dollar? Why wouldn't every employee at every company be a woman? That'd be a great, if I were a CEO and I could pay women who do the exact same work as a man, uh, 79 cents on the dollar, why wouldn't I have every major employee be a woman? It's ridiculous. In the way, the way in which stars burn through their fuel and die is viewed through a hyper-masculine lens, and the metaphors are often very violent, she claimed. An example she gave is that when stars which take mass from other stars are labeled bad boys, those do not seem to be, though this does not seem to be a, a widely used scientific term, so no one even uses it. She may have been referencing one single article written by a popular science journalist, Nancy Atkinson, a woman, in which Atkinson wrote that blue stragglers which steal mass from companion stars by crashing into their neighbors are stellar bad boys. Much of Gosnell's research is dedicated to understanding the blue straggler binary star systems, which often involve one star burning out and merging with another. That is kind of a, an aggressive action, isn't it? Scientifically, you might have an explosion of energy there. Gosnell, who studies binary star systems, ooh, what about non-binary ones? Using telescopes and imaging, has said that she tries to combine art and science because the two fields are more similar than people think. I mean, okay, fine, go work for one of those star map websites and sell pictures of the cosmos. The tenets of white supremacy emerging in physics of individualism and exceptionalism and perfectionism is an either-or thinking, but there's no subtlety there. There's no gray area. There really isn't a gray area in scientific fact, is there? We know the atomic weight. We know, uh, you know what happens when cells dissolve. We know what happens in a star's life cycle. Now, it can change, but what is scientific fact is scientific fact. There is no gray area uh, in what happens when you combine two elements. We know. All of this manifested in the way in which we think about our research, which counts as good research, which counts as important research. Always love when somebody calls the work that they personally do important. Oh, and she went to Wisconsin. Oh, why? She's published dozens of papers as an astrophysicist. By the way, astrophysicist, uh, is there a job that's taking a bigger L this year? Neil deGrasse Tyson, remember, he's, you know, the poke shill, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Most recently, she was involved in a creative project, The Gift, which was an experimental piece of theater that anthropomorphized blue stragglers and made comparisons between the lifespans and interactions of stars. Who the heck went to go see that? Nobody. I mean, again, the comments, whatever, they are nuts. <laughs> what about pronouns in space? Wokeism has invaded the hard sciences now. Here's an example. Um, always an unattractive chick. 
educated to idiocy. Yeah, I mean, yeah, an educated idiot is still an idiot. The article says she studies binary star system, which sounds very exclusionary. I think she should should only study non-binary star systems. Hasn't she noticed she's white? I mean, women have all of the advantages in the in the you know in uh, education, getting jobs, getting into school, and they know this, but they gaslight and they pretend, oh no, we're still oppressed. It's ridiculous. Maybe just stick to talking about what happens in the stars and 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 maybe maybe accomplish something in your life instead of blathering wokeisms looking for likes and retweets on Twitter. And next up today, woke Twitter alternative Mastodon tanks as users crawl back to Elon Musk and Twitter. Now, after Elon Musk took over YouTube, I'm sorry, Twitter. Oh, I was just I've Freudian slipped there, just wishing. Uh, after Elon Musk took over Twitter, there was a whole lot of hullabaloo about how Elon Musk buying Twitter drove over a million people to Mastodon, which is a alternative tech option to Twitter. It's built on the blockchain or the Fediverse, and uh, it's an alt tech platform that I still support. Now, it is exceedingly leftist, but that's who populates it. It's not necessarily the fault of the platform. You could say the same thing about Gab, for example. Definitely overwhelmingly right-wing, but it's not that they only want right-wingers. It's just that's who's there. You could say the same thing about Truth, which is a little different because it's more like Trump's thing. But I don't have any inherent problems with Mastodon. It, it is where all the big-brained journalists went and uh, a lot of these um, lefties that abandoned Twitter. But guess what? It's been a month, and they're all coming back. Elon Musk drove more than a million people to Mastodon, but many aren't sticking around. More than 130,000 people were joining the new independent social media network a day in November. So why hasn't it taken off? For the same reason no other video platform has taken off. Look, Odyssey, BitChute, Rumble. I continue to support these platforms, many of them financially every month. But they're still not YouTube. The closest possible, you know, Rumble has a chance if they can diversify their content. Right now, Rumble is exclusively, for the most part, right-wing content. It has some gaming content and some of that. But, like, it's mostly right-wing content. At least the biggest creators are. And if they can diversify, if they can get out from underneath that, like, oh, that's a right-wing platform, um... They, Rumble has probably the best chance in the last 10 years of actually um, like taking a bite out of YouTube. Not defeating YouTube. Nothing can defeat YouTube. But all of these like little alternative platforms take a little bite. Just a little bite. And that's the way you really reduce their power. The number of active users on Mastodon Social Network has dropped more than 30% census petite, and it's continuing a slow decline. According to the latest data posted on the website, there were about 1.8 million active users in the first week in January. That's down from 2.5 million in early December. So they lost about half of their new users. Mastodon, an open source network, 
largely independent hosted servers, has often been touted as an alternative to Twitter. And its growth appears connected to controversies at Twitter, of course, but for many, it does not fulfill the role that Twitter did. And the experts say it may be too complicated to really replace it. And that's exactly what I said. Mastodon is not for boomers. It's it's a bit of a complex setup in understanding what the Fediverse is and there's all this kind of stuff that get in, get, gets involved in it and all that's going to hamper growth. In the same way that, for example, Gab not being on the uh, Google Play Store or the Apple iTunes Store hampers its growth. Gab could be 10 times its size already if they were allowed on these platforms. And I don't agree with their continued censorship and omission or banning from these various platforms, but it is what it is when you have a monopoly. Bring on the SpaceX phone. Twitter is in its most basic form, in its most basic form is simple, Meg Coffee, a social media strategist said. You can open up the app, open up a website, type some words, and you're done. I mean, it's a basic SMS platform. There were about 500,000 Mastodon users before Elon Musk took control of Twitter at the end of October, by mid-November, that number had climbed to almost 2 million active users. Now, for a platform that had 500,000, for example, to jump up to even at its number right now of 1.6, 1.7 million users, that's astronomical growth. I mean, that's hockey stick growth. That's change the game growth. But of course, what everyone, including, you know, like, even conservatives or people like myself who are kind of in the middle. There's really no replacing that arguing with the other guy. All these leftists or journalists like Taylor Lorenz ran to Mastodon and got 200,000 followers there. And they thought, wow, this is really the bees knees. All right. I'm, this is my, these are my people. And then they quickly realized what conservatives realized with Parler and Getter and Gab is that it's not that fun being in an echo chamber. It just isn't. Uh, and, you know, regardless, by the way, of, you know, whatever technology hurdles there are, you know, for Gab, for example, having to download the APK or use a web version. True Social is available, on, I think, on iTunes. I'm not sure if it's on Android, sir. I think it is or was. Still a huge barrier. People want to feel like they're heard, and part of that is arguing with people. Quote, right around November 5th, it was a real opportunity, Coffee said. There were a lot of people who were scared, a lot of people who didn't want to be in the place Twitter was becoming. By the way, it wasn't actually becoming any of these things. It was just marketing. All the left-wing media kind of circled the wagons and said, Oh, and Twitter is full of hate speech and Twitter is full of all these terrible things. And then it turned out that people logged on Twitter and really nothing changed. I mean, can you honestly say that your experience on Twitter has really changed in any meaningful way? I can't. It felt like at times there was a little more interaction on, on Twitter than I was used to. But even like right now, it feels like interactions at like an all time low for me. It feels like you know, innumerable uh, swings and ebbs and flows have happened where especially where conservatives are saying, oh my God, interactions like the best it's ever been. And then people are saying, oh wait, what's going on? Something, I must be shadow banned again. I mean, I see you know, like popular accounts like libs of TikTok and, you know, 
the GAG account and all these other ones constantly every other week saying, wait, is, am I being shadow banned? What's going on? Uh, quote, I'm a big mutant block. Uh, so my t Twitter is fantastic. It's a really wonderful place, but I know a lot of, for a lot of other people, it's not. And so I can understand that they wanted to find a place that was quote, less toxic and quote, less harmful. The surge in new Macedon users continued throughout November, peaking at over 130,000 new users per day. The upticks often coincided with controversial decisions made by Elon Musk. This is very similar to conservative growth. When Twitter would ban a popular figure, they would go to parlor, they would bring over 200,000 people, and they would think this is just as good as Twitter. And then what happens? Two weeks later, you realize that everyone just stayed on Twitter, and occasionally they come back on parlor. You know, Twitter will have to do a lot to really alienate people. Um, this was true of the right forever, and now it's true of the left. Clubhouse had this amazing opportunity, she said. They had this captive audience, but they didn't deal with onboarding of users in the right way. And they gave other platforms an opportunity to jump on them, which is, I think, why we got Twitter spaces, right? For many, Macedon may have proved too hard to port over their communities and was just too complicated. Some may have gone back to Twitter, while others said coffee may have dropped social media entirely. They didn't drop social media entirely. Everyone went and signed up for Macedon and realized how hard it was, and then got back on Twitter and like, oh yeah, that's hard. Maybe we won't go there, she said. And it was like the people that said, I'm moving to Canada when Donald Trump was elected. They never actually moved. Yeah, they may, they may have looked at, you know, maybe a website or maybe some real estate in Canada or something along those lines, but they were never actually interested in moving. And now with nearly 50% drop off in their growth, of course, everyone returned to Twitter. There's been some hardcore people that are still staying, you know, still there, but it's just not enough. You see this article in Thurot, Mastodon users have started fleeing the platform. By the way, the platform is full of uh, letter C, letter P content. Full of it. Full of it. wonder if people are noticing that. The Fediverse is not exactly your all-time censorship platform. And a lot of people who left Twitter uh, decided, oh, I need more sa a safe space. But they found out a Mastodon was not. It's like join post once. Masana had a little less than 500,000 users before Twitter. So if you're interested in data, Masana makes a total number of users have logged in over the previous 30 days publicly accessible. That's quite interesting to look at. A month ago on December 9th, Masana still had 2.3 million active users for and a total of 5.4 million accounts. That's pretty good. 50% of you, like on YouTube, I would say 20% at most of people that actually subscribe to my channel are active viewers. As of today, Masson has 1.7 million active users of, on a total of 5.9 million people who create an account. That's a 23% decrease in active users in just one month. In comparison, Twitter had 253 million, 100 times the amount of daily active users on November 20th since Musk became CEO. And certainly th that number is increasing. People have all but forgot about the controversy and the claims that they made when Elon Musk took over. And the fact of the matter is, they all came crawling back. And last up today, Hogwarts Legacy destroys woke SJWs on Twitter in hilarious fashion. Now I want to talk about Hogwarts Legacy. It is a game that I have now begrudgingly pre-ordered. And uh, it, I don't, I say that not because I wasn't excited to play the game, because I am, but because I really don't like pre-ordering 
I really don't like pre-ordering stuff to like own the libs. I think you should just wait. I think the general good advice for my viewers would be, you know, unless you know, unless your mind's already made up, there's really no value in pre-ordering. And you know, Lord knows I've been burned before by pre-orders, in particular Cyberpunk uh, 2077 comes to mind. But one of the biggest nothing burgers on the internet today is that there's some sort of some like actual controversy around Hogwarts Legacy. There absolutely is not. It's fake. It's manufactured. And I will prove you these things through data and actual unemotional responses. Hogwarts Legacy is a game that is getting the push of the fake controversy like I've never seen before. Here we have Jake Lucky, who's basically an internet tattletale, talking about the biggest controversy in gaming right now is somehow people deciding to buy or not buy Hogwarts Legacy because it's supporting J.K. Rowling and her transphobic comments. Never seen so many people divided over a video game purchase. Well, that's just not true. There's This is the video game community, bro. You must be new here. Uh, it, absolutely. I mean, how about The Last of Us 2? Not that long ago. Um, you see him highlighting tweets from the act man saying, if you buy Hogwarts Legacy or Harry Potter, you're automatically a transphobe. That's like saying if you've ever played a Blizzard game, you're automatically a fan of harassment. Where the F do people come up with these scar scarlet brain rot takes? Scarlet brain rot takes. I'm not familiar with that terminology. Then you see this, Tyler, I'm just not playing. Just not playing the game is not enough. I will be actively standing outside of GameStop at midnight release of Hogwarts Legacy, throwing rocks at people. Stop talking about it. Be about it. Now, I assume this is a joke. If not, he can roll up on my GameStop anytime and throw rocks and see how that goes for him. Sarah Daniels, from someone who is literally a poster child for Hogwarts school choir at Universal Studios, if, you, if I cannot buy Hogwarts Legacy, so can you. It literally is just that easy. It's one of the best, most memorable parts of my life. But J.K. Rowling is hardly harming people I care about. She isn't. J.K. Rowling believes that biology is real. That doesn't harm people. Freddles writes, I'm really going to burn some bridges with this Hogwarts legacy stuff. Trans rights are human rights. Yes, so? That's not, bro, like this 2023, you're not getting any likes and retweets for that. If you, can, if you cannot not play a game in support of an entire demographic, then your actions speak louder than words. I mean, cringe. Imagine losing friends over this. And you see a lot of these people, right? Here's Brittany Johnson. J.K. Rowling did not design code, draw the art for the game. Hundreds of people who put time, blood, sweat, and tears in developing that game did and should not have to suffer. Like, and then you see this kind of moronic take. Do what you want, but note that people arguing are dominantly straight white males and the ones getting offended, the people that are just asking for you not to. Now, I'm going to buy two copies of the game, um, absolutely, because this fake outrage is so ridiculous. Uh, I don't know how any of these people actually, like, can they, well, by the way, again, let me be very clear. First of all, there are plenty of trans people that are going to play this video game. Okay, There are plenty of trans people who don't give a crap about any of this, the drama, right? 
Here's Sophia Narwitz, a trans individual and video game reporter. Uh, the monolith that is trans people TM have asked us not to play it, LOL. But if you really, but really, you're not as virtuous. <laughs> you're not as virtuous as you're pretending to be. You choose this battle because it's already a product you're not interested in. Let me know when you actually choose a fight that'll be rough for you. And that's exactly the point I'm making. They weren't interested in the game anyway. You see Freddles exposed right here. Surely just do what you want, right? Trans people all over social media in real life who live in the United States and the kingdom have asked for us not to play it. No, not a single trans person has asked me not to play it. I listened rather than getting upset about it uh, that I cannot play a game that I want. Then he writes, I'm a streamer. Playing newly released games with the interest of gaining more viewers is literally my career. Except he writes, Hogwarts was never part of my childhood, to be honest. I listened to the audiobooks a few years ago, and they were only okay. So some writes, so you're only mild, you're interested in the game, if at all, and you expect us to think you're making some great sacrifice by not playing it. That's exactly my point. Even you get like uh, that super mega brain Keemstar who's just trolling, bro, about not playing the game. Like, it takes zero... Uh, 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 sacrifice to not play a game that you weren't interested in playing in the first place. And also understand this. You have Sebastian Croft apologize to Vince hurt by his involvement in the new Harry Potter video game. Oh, did he return his money? Get out of here. And like, what's hilarious about this is JK Rowling made $20 million this year and it had nothing to do with Hogwarts Legacy. It has a lot to do with the theme parks and licensing. J.K. Rowling is rich beyond any of us. Any of us could possibly fathom, and will always be that way. You not playing a video, and by the way, if you don't want to get, if you have like a principal thing where you don't want to give money to J.K. Rowling, I respect that. You could still play the game on the secondary market. I'm sure people will play through the game in a couple of weeks, and you'll be able to get it 30, 40, 50 percent off at GameStop. And then your money's not going to J.K. Rowling, right? So if you want to play the game and you happen to be trans or somebody who thinks they're standing up for trans people by not playing the game, you can just buy it on the secondary market and J.K. Rowling's not getting any of your money. But you want to know, again, how, this is, how I know it's all bologna sausage with cheese? Hogwarts Legacy is already the number one selling game on Steam and PS5. Number two on Xbox. I wonder what number is one. The game isn't even out for a month. And it's the number one selling game on Steam. Part of me thinks that this is all just marketing. That like, it's just a op, right? To like get people worked up to, to buy it. We are just under four weeks away from the release of Hogwarts Legacy on February 10th. But it's already shaping up to be one of the best selling games of the year. Well, now it's February, so it's early. But it's already shipped with the business. Here, pre-sales for Hogwarts Legacy have been absolutely unbelievable. And it shows no sign of slowing down as we get closer to launch. But what about all those boycotts? What about all those people that were not... What about the 30, 50, 60,000 people that all liked that tweet that they weren't playing the game in solidarity with trans people? They were never interested in the game in the first place. Or they're lying. Hogwarts Legacy has retained its top spot as the best-selling game on Steam. CSGO is higher in revenue. But that's a free-to-play title with microtransactions. 
Legacy is outselling the next closest actual paid game, Modern Warfare 2, by a good margin, according to the chart. Now, Modern Warfare 2's been out for a minute. Hogwarts Legacy is listed on Amazon as the top-selling game on the PS5 right now, ahead of upcoming Dead Space Remake, out in 11 days, and Sonic Frontiers. Hogwarts Legacy is listed on Amazon as the number two seller in Xbox series behind only Modern Warfare 2. One exception to Hogwarts Legacy's dominance is on the Switch, where it's listed as just the 33rd best-selling game on Switch on Amazon, behind dozens of other titles. The reason being for that is the Switch version of the game won't be out until the middle of summer, as the port there needs more time, apparently. Unlike upcoming big 2023 release, Starfield, Spider-Man 2, Final Fantasy, 16, and The Legend of Zelda, Tears of the Kingdom, Hogwarts Legacy is releasing on all platforms as a third-party title. Other big title games this year, like Diablo 4 and The Squad, uh, but it seems possible that Hogwarts Legacy could literally beat them all. And by the way, like buying the game and playing the game doesn't make you automatically support every opinion that J.K. Rowling's ever had. It's ridiculous to think that. But... It's also ridiculous to fall for this complete fake narrative that it isn't going to be one of the top selling games of the year. Now, I don't want to tell people to go spend their money to own the libs. I don't think that's a good idea. Me, I pre-ordered it because now I'm going to play it on launch because, well, it's not a bad way to make a living, you know. But, you know, you could wait a couple days and see if the game's actually good. And, you know, it's still a lot of money, 60 or $70, depending on which version you want to buy. So, you know, a lot of people have backlogs, myself included. I still have Witcher 3 to finish. I still have Cyberpunk 2077 to finish. I have so much, but I guess I'm adding that to my palette in February for weekend streams. I hope you enjoyed this video. If you did, make sure you leave a like on it and make sure if you haven't yet, please do subscribe down below wherever you're watching the video and we'll talk to you again real soon.